0: how hard it is for me to give up some of the passages, not all of them. Every once in a while you come across like a a genealogy or something and it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll give up that. Somebody else can preach that one. You know, and in fact, in my early days of preaching, I feel like I only got the passages uh, that other people don't want to preach, but you got to learn somewhere. Anyway, we've been in Ephesians there has literally been zero passages that I have wanted to give up. Now, that that doesn't mean I haven't, you know, we, we've been having guest preachers come in the last couple of weeks. We had two different preachers coming in. Um, and even before that, we had, had a handful of people um, coming in to preach through Ephesians for me um, and help me out. It gives you a chance to hear somebody else's voice for a minute. Um, and And for me to kind of it's it's a gift for me to not have to feel like I've got to turn it on or have something insightful to say every week. So that that itself is a gift that I, I appreciate very much. But when you come to a a letter, an epistle like Ephesians, there is literally nothing that I don't want to preach on. Um, I, I want to preach it all. And, and sometimes, as we've seen already, I've extended this sermon series a couple times already. I just want to keep preaching on it because I feel like there's just so much stuff— in this passage, that's not only just really, really insightful, but really practical, and um, and so I, I've I've really um, I've really loved the series that we've been on in Ephesians. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. Um, but I wanted to circle back around to Ephesians chapter 5 because I really only had I think I had two cracks at this maybe one um and 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 so uh, I wanted to hit a couple of things that I just really wanted to share and and I think that if you if you go back through and listen to either Scott or pastor Rob um, you'll hear a lot of the overtones of what I'm, I'm so I'm not like coming with anything super new uh, but I just want to kind of vamp on it a little bit myself uh, because they've been Interesting to me, sticking out to me, insightful. And um, and I think that's some really practical stuff. In fact, I've been feeling pretty convicted about this this morning. Um, and so uh, uh, Pastor Scott joked about Ephesians 5 being sort of like a preacher's dream uh, of the three points and a poem. Um, and, and that's exactly what he got in Ephesians chapter 5 because he says, walk in three ways. Walk um, as beloved children, walk in love. And then he says, to walk in the light. And then he says, to walk... Uh, walk wisely. And then, of course, there's that poem in there that says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So right there, a preacher's dream. Um, But what I want to do is is really focus in on verse 15 of chapter 5, where it says, Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Okay, so here he's saying the way that you walk the way and and we've talked about this before because this is uh, um this phrase about walking throughout the scriptures and even especially here in, in the book of Ephesians we talk about that it's not an actual like one foot in front of the other of how you walk he's not saying hey watch your step he's saying watch your conduct watch the way that you organize and live out your life and so that's what he's talking about to walk is day by day moment by moment one foot in front of the other you know as far as one day at a time goes, uh, walk in a certain kind of a way. So watch the way that you conduct your life, um, not as unwise, but as wise. So he, he's urging us to walk wisely. And then in verse 16, he, he makes another distinguishing... Um, he says, this is what it looks like. This is what wisdom looks like. It says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, this is interesting. So to walk wisely means that we have to be mindful of time. Now, throughout scriptures, um, in in the book of Job, in Psalm, Psalm 90, um, the psalmist says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom, right? So even there, there's this connection that's being made uh, between how we use our time and wisdom, um, and, and one of the things that even if you go to Proverbs, um, one of the things that that uh, the, the the father figure, the, the one who's passing on wisdom from one generation to the next, one of the the things that he condemns is slothfulness, right? This, this laziness or um, to to squander time and resources, even uh, in a way that doesn't really. Create anything, or, or or contribute to anything. Now, there's different. There's a difference between being lazy and and working hard and resting. Right, the 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 six days of work and the one day of Sabbath. There's a difference between that sort of pattern and just generally um, being lazy and squandering time. And so the psalmist speaks to this. Um, the father figure in the in the proverbs um, speaks of this of of using time well. Um, not being lazy, not being a sluggard, um, and and using, you know, what he says, numbering our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Um, and, and the reality of this is that um, of the limited resources that we have, time is the only one that cannot be gained back. So, um, Job 14 says that the man who is born of a woman is a few days and full of trouble. All right, so, yep, life's a little rough, he says, and and, and we've got a short amount of time uh, uh, s- speaking in a uh, cosmic, from a cosmic perspective of things, right? You know, 80, 90 years might be a long time, at least in our, our, our mindset as far as a lifetime goes, um, but in the grand scheme of things, it's just a drop in the bucket, right? You go in eternity past, eternity future. That's really, really a small uh, amount of time. And Job even acknowledges that that we have a uh, a set amount, we have an allotted amount of days in this life, that, that our days are determined by God. Um, and he says the number of his months is with you. He's talking about God. God knows. God knows. And he's appointed these limits to us um, that we don't go past. That is, in Job 14, is he's... he's uh, verse 5, he's kind of acknowledging that. And so the Apostle Paul, interestingly, is reaching back into the Old Testament and some of the wisdom um, literature, some of the stuff that's meant to help us to live wisely, um, to live a a flourishing life, to live a life that's that's most utilized. Um, and, you know, not just like a life lived up on the shelf, but one that really, you know, you get your hands dirty and, and you, you pour out the blood, sweat, and tears to make something. And so Paul is saying to us... Watch how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Now, the really practical application of this would be to lead us into a um, a discussion about productivity. Um, right? How can I make the best use of my time? How can I order my days um, in a way that's going to make the you know the most of the time? My weeks, my months. Um, How do I plan ahead for my years um, to say, okay, here's how I can deploy time and my resources, you know, company time and resource together uh, to make the most of it? And and I think that's a really helpful thing to think through, and there's a lot of really great resources. In fact, um, there's uh, – What's the, David Allen wrote a book, a productivity book, that's sort of like the gold standard of, of books, but uh, he's not a Christian, um, and he's not writing from a Christian worldview, and so his motivations for productivity are a little bit different. However, um, there is a book that is written from a Christian worldview um, by Matt Perman. Who, uh, it, the title of the book is called called What's Best Next? I, I read this years ago. I pull it out every once in a while because it's he it takes a lot of the wisdom and insight from David Allen and and, and maybe reimagines it through a gospel uh, lens of of why we make the best use of time and actually how to go about doing that. So if that's something that you struggle with, I know even this week I've been I'm kind of getting back on the horse as far as I had a couple of irregular um, weeks. And I, I'm just thinking through my week and every week I sit down and kind of plan out what this week's got got going on and, and the meetings that I've got and the tasks that I need to accomplish and what we're doing as a family and the ways that I'm going to rest and recharge and things that need to get done. So I, I I try to think about that. Yet, at the end of the day, um, I like Netflix. I've I you know there, I've got some shows on Hulu that I'm into right now. Um, and so I can, I can sit there and consume and enjoy it. And, I, and I'm not against those things. But when um, I think... I think there's actually a little parable or a proverb i guess about this about like how um idleness b- breeds idleness so it, for me I, I've sensed this that if i don't have if if I don't have something that I need to get accomplished so whether that's at, at at the end of a day where I'm sitting down kind of relaxing decompressing maybe watching uh you know I've been watching uh uh only murders in the building on hulu which i i think was a great show. It just got done. So if you want to watch that, that's cool. Um, but the thing is I have kind of an addictive personality when it comes to things like that. Or even, oh guys, I got this new game on my phone that literally I feel like it was made just for me. And if I'm not careful those things that are meant, you know, for entertainment and enjoyment and rest and recharge, like, they're, they're not bad things in and of themselves, but if they aren't watched, uh, at least my, my intake and my consumption of those things aren't watched carefully, they can easily, at least in, in my case, sort of dominate um, my day. And, and even so, like, going from... Uh, if I want to stay up late, not uh, catching up on a show or something, if I don't, if I have got something going on early in the morning, I'm a lot less likely to uh, binge like 10 episodes of something uh, and, and, and want to go to bed early so I can get up good in the morning, wake up well, rested and give the best go of my day. And so there are some times where I, I mean, I, I'm not great at this where um, I probably do stay up a little bit too late and then I'm a little bit sluggish the next day, or maybe my, my day isn't organized or planned ahead of, as much as I want. And so th- there's something to be said about resources and thinking uh, through, getting, getting ahead of a little bit um, and, and um, prepping your day and your week in a way that's going to set you up uh, to make the most of the time because I really only have, you know... Um, so much amount of time, and I, there was a, a tweet, ironically, from uh, John Piper that says, um, "At the end and Judgment Day, uh, Twitter and Facebook and all the social medias are going to be useful for one thing, and that's going to sh- to be to show us that our prayer- prayerlessness was not because of a lack of time." So there's a sense of, "Hey, we, there's like really good things that we can be doing with our time. Prayer is at the top of the list. Reading your Bibles at the top of the list. Being in community and investing in relationships is at the top of the list. Taking care of your body." Uh, discipling your family, all these things, top of the list, good things to do. And, and it's easy to get distracted and sort of brought into a lull by social media, by media of any kind, um, any kind of entertainment, even hobbies and stuff, though they're good and can be used for rest and all that stuff. I, you know, I'm not anti-hobby by any means. I got plenty of hobbies. Um, but, they can dominate and they can steal from us uh, and make us to be ineffective with our time. And we don't want to walk unwisely. We want to walk in wisdom um, because the way of wisdom is the way of flourishing. Um, Check out Psalm 1, speaks to that. Um, And so I, I... that is one application so for you if, if you're not like a type A sort of go-getter like maybe maybe you're more of like an Enneagram 4 where you like you're free flowy go with the flow do what you want when you want you know th- that's fine you can do that but but to have an idea about what it is that is most important and have some sort of priority um, structure around that I think that the help, helpful resource about that would be uh, to check out the book called What's Best Next by Matt Perman um, so that's a little book plug there you can also check out some of his stuff I think on the Gospel Code and maybe even desiring God. He's got some, some articles that if you don't have time for a read the whole book or, or just want to grab the audio book, do that. Um, but kind of plug away through some of those things. Um, I think, I think that is a really helpful resource in, in working toward the practical end of making the best use of time or, or being product, having, having a, a sense of productivity, um, built into our life because that's one of the ways that we honor God. Now, that is interesting I, I well I, so that's the practical thing now here's the interesting thing about this because that phrase when when Paul says look carefully then how you walk not as the as unwise but as wise making the best use of the time now this is the kicker he says because the days are evil now what is what does that mean like that time that the days that we have are evil that what what's you know I You come across that, and you're like, okay, Paul, you're being a little dramatic here. The days are evil. Are you serious? Like, I get it. There's evil in the days, but the days themselves... Well, actually a better um, interpretation or a better uh, translation or just making sense of this phrase um, would be to say, Paul understands um, when he goes to Romans, he talks about all creation um, is groaning, longing for redemption. And one of the things that's creation, not just the trees and the valleys and the mountaintops that are groaning. One of the things that is groaning and longing for redemption uh, is time. Time is a created thing, okay? Um, time is a. Uh, it, it, before creation, time was not. Um, but God created time. And uh, he marked that by saying, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, well, God existed way, way. Before the beginning, God existed. So there was no time there. But then in the beginning, in the beginning, Of creation, their time started. And so, thinking through this, Paul says the fall of sin. Um, or sin, has corrupted everything. All of creation is affected by sin. So we can see, you know, our, our relationship with God has been affected, our relationship with other people. Adam and Eve, you know, went from having this very blissful marriage to now they're they're bickering at each other, pointing the fingers about who messed up. Um, Adam's blaming God for giving him a wife, and, you know, it's just kind of a mess. And then before you know it, uh, their kids, like literally the, the next generation, um... Cain kills Abel, right? We see all kinds of conflict going on there. Um, you, you hear, uh, you just see like global warming probably starts right there. Um, roses grow thorns, tornadoes, natural disasters, all the stuff. Everything is groaning. The the curse of sin um, has rested upon everything. Now, one of the ways that um, scripture talks about. Um, time is by by dividing it by ages. So there are, are, well, you can say there's three ages, really, but um, most of the New Testament sort of um, revolves around two ages. So the the first age is sort of like the perfection, the Eden, the Edenic age where everything was right. And then the the next age, um, which the Bible calls the the, the current age, the present age, um, is the age of sin where sin is around, um, where sin uh, is prevalent, where sin has, you know, well, even even the the father of lies is uh, the prince of the power of the air. He's running the show in in a lot of ways, um, and so this this present age. In fact, I think that's language that Paul uses. Um, you can even Peter uses that language too about the present age. They're talking about this current condition um, of our world where it's broken. Um, where there is is something clearly wrong with that, and we can say that right now. We can look at our our world and say, something's broken about this. Things are not working as they ought to be. Uh, But then Paul, um, because we talked about this with with Ephesians being sort of apocalyptic literature in a way or it's got this the apocalypse or the revelation um, uh, of this this insight this this mystery that has been revealed is the fact that there is a new age that is coming um and and Jesus has told us actually this new age is already in some ways present already and so one of the things that we say um, in this new age let me let me it, characterize that that that's a new age of you know go to revelation 20 21 um, every tear away the way there is no sin, there's no death, there's no pain. Um, we'll be with God. We will be His people. He will be our God. There's no rebellion. Um, creation is restored to all of its glory. We're restored to all of our glory. There's no need for a son because Jesus is our son. He's the brightness uh, of the glory of God. All of these. So that's sort of like the new age of what what things are moving towards. So in that way. Um, we do not live in sort of a a cyclical time um, domain. Um, There are a lot of things about this present age where we do feel like this this repetition of time, where this pattern sort of loops itself. They say history repeats itself, but from a Christian worldview, that's untrue, uh, uh, largely speaking, because history is moving toward an end Um, that's not going to keep repeating the same brokenness, the same futility. It's going to be resolved in the new heavens and new earth. And so okay, we can say in the present age, history tends to repeat itself, but what Jesus is telling us in the gospel is that history will be corrected, okay? Once and for all, it'll be fixed, it'll be good. And so... Here, Paul has this this worldview where we're living in this present age, yet this new age in some ways has already showed up. So, if we had a Venn diagram here of these two circles, I think I think that's a right t- phrase for it, where you take those two circles and you kind of overlap them a little bit. So you got three quadrants: one is is sort of isolated by itself. There's a shared quadrant, and then on the o- outside, there's another o- isolated by itself. So we are in the, in the middle. What theologians theologians call the already not yet. Okay, it, it's it's because we are already living in the the new age as Christians in our salvation. When we were born again, we were born again into the new age. We belong to the kingdom. In fact, Jesus says at the beginning, uh, or Paul says at the beginning of Ephesians, um, that we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. He's talking about this new age, this new thing that's going on. That is where we are currently in this moment. So right now, wherever you're sitting, so if you're in the Quad Cities, you are in one sense in the Quad Cities, but you are in... In a very other, very real sense, you are in Christ in the heavenlies, which is crazy, mind boggling. Um, and so he's saying th- this already, not yet. Um, the kingdom is already here, but it's not yet here in its fullness, where we're still living in, in this the the period of in between. Um, the present age is very much a reality, and. And the new age to come is also very much a reality in the lives of Christians, and so we live here in this this in between period. It, it's sort of like a, uh, oh, I was going to say purgatory, but that I don't want to I don't want to invoke that. But it's like this this um, this this phase that's sort of not not one and not the other, but both and, um, and it's moving toward the other. Um, um, so we're moving towards the the new age. Okay, you following me? Now, when Paul says to make, uh, to walk carefully, um, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. What he's saying is that um, the fall of sin has corrupted everything, including time itself. That, that time, like it, the time that's, that's um, lived in the present age will collapse under sin unless that itself is redeemed. And so what he's saying here, as as people who we have been redeemed through the blood of Jesus, that in the gospel, through faith, uh, in, by faith, uh, in Jesus alone, in his grace and what he's done um, to resurrect us. So, so um, we were buried with him in our, in our baptism, and we are raised with him in our baptism, um, that I've been raised with Christ, and because I have been so thoroughly redeemed by the blood of Jesus that, that I am marked as the new humanity, that now there is a spiritual power at work in me that as, a, as one who has been redeemed, now I can work as a, a small redeemer. See, Jesus is a redeemer with a capital R, He's the one who's going to redeem and restore all things. But Jesus' power is at work in us through the the presence and the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we become many redeemers. And that's one of the things that we talk about or or what we're invoking in our mission statement to make disciples, plant churches, and renew our city. Or you could say to redeem our city. To work in a way um, that brings pieces, bits and pieces of our city into the new age that's to come. Right, to work in a way that, that the redemption of, of this locale, of, of this time, of this space, uh, gets sucked up into the new heavens and new earth with us. And so this is the power of the gospel at work in us, that as people of the new humanity, people who have been liberated by a power greater than ourselves, right, namely Jesus— as participants in in the birth of the new creation, here we are in the midst of these evil days, we get to work toward the renewal or the redeeming of this time. So the way that you live, check this out, the way that you live will mark if you are redeeming the time or you are squandering the time. If If you are using your time to rebel against God, um, to live a way that it is contrary to the the uh, imperatives of the gospel, which is really what uh, Ephesians chapter four uh, through six is all about, right? Talking about walking in love, right? A Heart for the church, to 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 be people who are are using our gifts in a way to build up the body of Christ in in love. Um, people who are devoted to purity um, and godly. Uh, gospel sexuality people um, who are are walking in the light and not participating with that which is corrupt um, and idolatry. Um, people who are. Um, exposing unfruitful works, right? And then even getting into family dynamics, right? Husbands and wives, how you use your time, how you use that relationship, how you parent, how you go to work, um, how you fight spiritually to press on, put on the armor of God, right? All of these are, are indicative, or excuse me, imperatives of the gospel um, that that will determine if we are using our time wisely or not, And if we are not using the time wisely, we're squandering it and we are leaving it in the present age. But through the power of the gospel at work in us, we... Through through Christ and the Spirit, pull this time and resources into the new heavens and new earth with us, and so that's what it means, right? That 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 is is really the. Um, it's not just about being productive that Paul's talking about. He's like using the gospel power, this charge that we have um, every day, every moment is charged with cosmic significance. Every moment is charged with cosmic significance. It either stays behind in the present age or we get to pull it into the age to come. Right? And and one of the ways that we do that is by doing good. By doing good. That, that's one of the things that we set out at the beginning of this year. Um, we got those bookmarks floating around still. Um, to know more, to do good, to joyfully endure, and to worship hard. Um, and, and and to do good means to live a wise life, to live a life that's in, in cahoots, in line with the way that God instructs us to live. And when we live wisely, we are redeeming the time. We are giving uh, cosmic, eternal significance to that which we do, whether that's um, working, uh, on an assembly line, changing diapers, um, you, you're leading a missional community, you are, you're having a conversation with somebody, you're sharing the gospel with somebody, you, you are serving by raking leaves. It's about that time of year you're about to see all the leaves drop, serving people in your neighborhood, and the elderly, in your neighborhood, by um, caring for them in a really practical way. Those are ways um, that in the name of Jesus, time gets redeemed. If, if we don't do that, It'll naturally just slip away in the present age. But with Christ's help in the gospel, through the power of the Spirit, we want to make the best use of time. And uh, I think that's such a, a neat charge for us as Christians, even, even to think of that from a cosmic perspective, of, of, of not leaving time behind in the present age, but bringing it with us um, that everything that's done in the name of Jesus will stand for eternity. That's cool. Everything in the name of Jesus, it's done in the name of Jesus will stand for eternity. And that is how we redeem the time.